the streaming wars. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. We were going to talk a little bit about music stuff at the top of the episode, and we didn't get into that. We're an hour into the episode now. Do we want to do that, or do we want to save that for a different episode? We can save it for the, a different episode. I think the one thing, just if we're going to summarize anything, like, I guess, video-related, what is it with these old, like, big-time directors just completely talking bad about, like, any... Netflix streaming service produced content. Actually, no, sorry. That was totally off. He is upset at Marvel content. Not... not You're talking about Ridley Scott? No, so, I think Scorsese came out and recently was pretty, like, negative about Marvel movies. And he's like, it's not, like, art or whatever. But there was kind of, at the beginning of streaming services with the whole Academy Awards... People were like, should these be nominated for awards? And, I mean... Even, yeah, even now there is a theatrical release window that Netflix has to release movies into theaters for for them to be considered for uh, Oscars. But mm-hmm. Scorsese also took whatever amount of money he needed and made uh, The Irishman for Netflix a couple of years ago. Which I still think was a very overrated film. It wasn't great. Yeah. A, a lot... Of, Okay, a lot of the older directors, a lot of people who make movies now, they are very enamored with the theatrical experience. And that's because that's how they were, you know, that's how they grew up watching movies. And that for a while, that was the only way to watch movies. The pandemic, I think, has really changed my perception on going to the movies because obviously, like I said earlier, I didn't think it was worth dying to go see Christopher Nolan <laughs> congratulate himself on his cleverness with Tenet, which is not a very good movie. Um, and I say that as someone who likes all of pretty much all of Christopher Nolan's other movies. I just think this was very um, self-indulgent. A movie, I think, would have to be a spectacle and like have good reviews for me to want to go see it in theaters now. If Avengers Endgame came out today, I would go see it in a movie theater. Spider-Man No Way Home, I almost saw in a movie theater. Like, we bought tickets, we went to the movie theater. But this was when Omicron was raging. We work in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there with masks on, N95s on. And everyone's just, like, sitting with their masks off, eating popcorn, and then just, like, leaving their masks off. And we, like, left before the movie started because we were going to go see our parents the next weekend, you know, like the, you have to make these value judgments of, do I really want to kill someone to see Spider-Man? And probably no. That, so that, that's where I was coming from on that. And now like the Batman has just come out. Do I need to see that in movie theaters? I don't know. I would like to see it in a movie theater, but also I know it's going to be on HBO max mid April. It's only going to be 45 days. I can just wait and see it for free. And I don't think that'll change the experience significantly for me. I'm, I'm of the same mind that I don't believe I 
now need to go into a theater to go watch a big release. Obviously, I'm kind of missing out on the surround sound and the massive screen, but you know, COVID being what it is and also being a, a good reason, it's just the experience of going to a movie theater. I don't, because there's just so much, like, I don't know, maybe I just go to bad movie theaters, but it's just like the unpredictability. Like one, if I miss a moment on like, a sh- like on the movie, I can at least go back and like rewatch it through HBO Max or something. Two, I've had a couple movies theater experiences yeah. where the audience will not shut up. Like there, I remember seeing The Dark Knight Rises, and I had to leave the movie theater because this one dude, which one they served alcohol to, there would just not shut up. He would just start screaming every time, like, Batman came onto the film. And it was, like, the most absurd <laughs> experience I think I ever had. I'm like, I, and, like, it, you know what? I got the refund back, which was fine. But I just, like, wasted an hour of my time to not finish this movie because the guy next to me can't shut up about watching Batman. And the entire audience is telling this dude to shut up. He just would not shut up. So, you know, like, I don't need to be in a movie theater anymore i don't need to pay like 20 bucks to go see a movie if i can just pay 15 a month to watch it on a streaming service and the comfort of my own home where i don't have to be surrounded by you know jerks screaming at the movie theater while i'm trying to watch it it's just not you know the only the only time i would argue was worth it and they didn't even it wasn't even like it didn't even live long enough for it to, to kind of like exist was 3d movies because I could not replicate the same like 3d movie experience on just like a normal 3d TV at home with like their kind of like weird glasses that I could in a movie theater, but that's no longer really a thing anymore. Do you think that, well, okay. Two points. One, the flip side of what you're saying, I think is also true. There are some movies that being in a crowd and like experiencing it with with a crowd, I think are is, is like really fun. Like Avengers Endgame, for example, the moment when uh, I guess spoilers for like a four year old movie at this point or something, three year old movie, when uh, Captain America picks up Mjolnir and like he's fighting Th- Thanos with it, just like everyone in this movie theater is friggin' screaming their heads off, like "Oh my god!" and that's like kind of fun to experience. I guess I never got that because I, I had seen it so late that I was only in the theater with me and like, other people. <laughs> and I kind of like that, though, because I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been really embarrassing. Dude, when Captain America is just standing there and he's like one on like a million of Thanos' army, I don't know why. It just made me like so... I might have been depressed, honestly. No, no. Well, sure, maybe also that. But I think it's like the culmination of... Uh... <laughs> Of one of the one of your childhood experiences, we've been watching these characters since two thousand eight, um, when the Marvel Cinematic Universe technically started. Although now, I guess it goes back until two thousand two with the just, original Spider Man. Yeah. The music when it hits, when like Cap standing there, and then you hear like Black Panther being like on your left, or what was that Black Panther, or was that? Uh, that was Falcon. Falcon. And like all of a sudden the, the portals and the mu- the music comes on. I'm like, what? I was like, dude, I'm I'm like actually tearing up right now. No, that's a that's a fantastic that's a fantastic uh, yeah I, um, that's a fantastic movie moment. And I remember actually during some of the early days of the pandemic, um, I, I remember that came up on my YouTube recommendations one time. Like someone recording that scene from the theater 
and there's that moment where everyone is screaming. Yeah. When Falcon says on your left, or like everyone's just like starts clapping, which is stupid. It's a movie. They can't hear you clapping, but people people really respond to things emotionally <laughs> and in crowds. And I think that's one of the things that can't be replicated by watching movies at home. That is an argument for these old time directors saying that, you know, the movie experience in theaters is fundamental to the movie experience. But I think you just have to have room for flexibility and also make better movies, Ridley Scott, if you want people to go see them in theaters. I saw House of Gucci. It was mediocre. I haven't seen uh, The Last Duel because I've heard it's pretty bad. That's it, yeah. The, the content nowadays is really steered away toward, I don't know, it, it's, I think we're getting off topic. But, <laughs> oh yeah, streaming like, services. <laughs> like, we're just referencing now. <laughs> yeah, screw you, Martin Scorsese. Ultimately, make better movies. Listen, I just cannot get over Christopher Nolan. This guy, <laughs> in July 2020, Tom, do you remember Tom Cruise like filmed a video of himself like with a mask on, being like, "It's great to go back to the movies." Yeah, good thing we're all back at the movie theaters now that this pandemic's over. This is July 2020. This is him trying to get people to go back to the theaters to go see Tenet. Still, probably in the thick. Of Very things. much in the thick oh, of things. Yeah. But beyond the fact that there was this deadly respiratory virus going around that we still didn't know relatively much about. Tenet is not a good enough movie to do to, to risk your life for. <laughs> you just it was not. It was not worth it. I think really the the main the main um, point of this episode is just Tenet was a bad movie. We should do a Chris Nolan episode so that I can just go on a rant about Tenet, but come on, man. We will talk about his other movies too that were decent. I don't know. I just uh, All right, so the ba- the takeaways from <laughs> the main streaming services currently that I think of when I think of streaming services are Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, and Paramount Plus. I'd say there's six that I actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. And they have pretty much all the content I need. There is a seventh one called Plex that is pretty good, but that's, uh, you know, user dependent. Uh, what is this Plex? I don't know. My friend told me about it. <laughs> um, out of all the streaming services, which one do you find yourself using the most? I don't know why that's such a hard question. Honestly, I think Hulu. Really? Um, yeah, because every once in a while, I'll like throw on Saturday Night Live. Um, it has a good backlog of old shows that I can just like throw on in the background when I don't need to. When I just like want something on in the background when I'm doing something else, like um, I think I rewatched American Dad and Futurama at some point in the last couple oh, wow. of years. But I guess, it, okay, now I'll, I'll take that back. If I had to pick one that I, all right, ha, I'll, I'll change your question a little bit. 
if you had to pick one that you could have and only one, Plex is not an option here. If you could only pick one streaming service and you couldn't watch anything that's on any of the other streaming services, what would you watch? What would you pick? Probably, honestly, very easily, the first one that came to mind was HBO Max. I would choose it because one, here's my reason. One, like Disney Plus has content that I've technically already seen. It doesn't really appeal to me as, I mean, Simpsons does, but if a Disney movie gets released, I don't have to see that movie. Um, oh, well, okay. So I guess, you, you know what? I still will go with HBO Max, even though all the Star Wars stuff is coming out. That's like a huge draw. Every and all the new Marvel shows. Or... Exactly. That's a huge draw. But I, I don't, you know, if, it, if I had to choose one where I had to live only on that, it would be HBO Max. And that's Netflix because they're is... merging with the channel that owns the Asian yeah. Food Network soon. That's exactly <laughs> the reason why. Um, Netflix to me is just, it's still going to be a big player in the streaming service with like war, but at the same time, part of me feels like it's in this weirdly like heyday in the sense of like, they it's, don't on the, it's on the, it's on the decline. Yeah. Like they don't really have like the biggest content anymore. Although they do have Seinfeld, but they've lost a lot of the shows that one I was like really liked and their own like, like Netflix produced content to me, isn't a big enough draw to keep Netflix right now, if I were to choose one. Also because they just, like, have a good season or something and stop it. I don't know why they do that. Apparently they do that because the uh, the algorithms that, like, help them decide what content to keep and what to cancel is mostly focused on subscriber growth. And, like, everyone who is going to have Netflix in North America basically already has Netflix. So shows that really do well here and only here, they uh, value a little bit less now than shows that are going to drive international growth. Mm -hmm. I guess it makes sense. I guess it makes makes sense from a business perspective, but it sucks from the perspective of like, if you're invested in a show. The content, absolutely. A long time ago, I I stopped watching shows that that wouldn't have a satisfactory ending like in 2008 or 2009, a couple of my favorite shows got canceled on uh, the sci-fi channel. So I just stopped watching the sci-fi channel because I knew that they would cancel shows that I liked without an ending. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, that's sort of what's going on with Netflix now. I probably won't watch a Netflix show until I know that it's big enough that they're not going to cancel it. Or, you know, mm-hmm. if it's just like a really good show, but there, there are very few of those. That being said, I would probably keep Netflix rather than anything else. Really, And the reason is because I think it's still the biggest driver of conversation. It's the biggest um, unified streaming service that the most people have. And I think you're going to miss out on something in the culture if you're like trying to be part of the culture. If you're not, if you don't have Netflix. Squid Game last year, good example. Stranger Things. Stranger Things, like, <laughs> like several years ago. Yeah, I've like never huge. seen Stranger Things. <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> I know I need to. So much for that, that culture yeah. talk. <laughs> Foiled by my own words. <laughs> um, I mean, in the sense, I mean, Squid Game really, though, did kind of, I don't know. 
I got like, I got I don't even know why that was such a popular. I mean, it was good. It was good. But like, it really like became like the most streamed like content uh, Netflix has ever had, which is and it's really more of like a you know in Korean like that too was like kind of a weird like it was it was a well um, well made well written show, but beyond that, it got hype and the yeah. it became like a self fulfilling prophecy of people being like, oh, you got to watch Squid Game, and then people would watch Squid Game. Yeah. Like my parents watched Squid Game, and they're not the target demographic for a Korean horror show, but, and they, my mom hated it, but my dad liked it, <laughs> my mom but they watched it. Um, yeah. In turn. Okay. <laughs> In terms of content you are looking forward to the most, that's going to be released on the stream shows. What is the one show that you're really excited about? Can only be one too. Okay. If I had to pick a streaming service based on future potential, it would be Amazon Prime. Because of Lord of the Rings and then like the Bethesda properties. Lord of the Rings. Or I guess not just Bethesda. Just, but just Fallout, yeah. yeah. Mass Effect, yeah. God of War. The uh, and um and they have the most uh, they're, they're not like the biggest streaming service. They are the big the huge, you know, global mega company, but in terms of the streaming service part of it mm-hmm. they still have a lot of uh users that they're trying to attract so they're not going to be cancel happy they're more like early netflix when early netflix was still trying to draw people towards netflix they were you know letting their shows run for a long time they were picking up shows that were canceled on other channels or other services and bringing them to netflix and be like hey come watch it on netflix you know sign up for us we'll give you another couple seasons of this show but netflix is done with that now because they're on a different part of their business trajectory but amazon is still for this specific segment of its business is still trying to grow users so i think that they're going to have more shows going forward also i'm a huge fan of stargate and they just bought mgm and i've been waiting for a new stargate series for like 12 years <laughs> I, you know because I, I was just thinking because you you were talking about because like the way you get amazon prime is actually you sign up for prime and so many people sign up for prime just because of its delivery service you you know i guess in the sense of like what we were talking about like netflix kind of canceling shows and then maybe it's like maybe that's it because I, I i i always like wonder like you're such a massive company amazon in its entirety you have the money to throw at like a like a production as a production media company and like and they are right now um but producing their own content but it's like it's lagged so far behind that it's like very interesting, but then it's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they were to make great TV, I would say they have probably the largest user base. And uh, this is just purely like speculative. It seems like they would have the largest user base just because of so many people using Amazon Prime already having that. But I think, yeah, that's a great point. I think it's just about the, you know, do a lot of people think of Amazon Prime when they're like, what should I watch? And I think for the yeah. most part, no right now. I think that might change with the Lord of the Rings show because I think they're going to make a really big advertising push. And again, it is the most expensive show ever made. Mm-hmm. But what you just said just now <laughs> reminded me of another streaming service that we forgot to talk about. <laughs> There's so many goddamn streaming services, Chris. Um, Apple TV Plus. Oh my God, that's- <laughs> 
Dude. Wow. We just completely blinked on that. And I use that one pretty regularly also. I, I'd say that's my number seven. That is insane. Because, that, that, yeah, that's not like Peacock. Yeah, that's right. No, Peacock. Be- Listen, I think whoever is listening to this podcast, I hope you hate Peacock and I hope you hate Tenet. Those are my two wishes that you take away from this episode. But yeah, Apple TV Plus came out um, a few years ago with a big original programming push. And I think they're more quality over quantity. I would say so. Apple TV has released some pretty good content. Um in the past two or three years, it's been around. I mean, I haven't watched. Is it the newsroom with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon? Is that the or is that a different? Um, you okay, know, newsroom. Actually, what's that? Newsroom was HBO. I think the morning show is what you're thinking. Sorry, of. Sorry, yeah, the morning show. Ted Lasso being like kind of a a, a huge. Yes. Not on the level of Squid Game, but every time everyone brings up a show, I remember being like, "Oh, Ted Lasso is such a good show. It's a feel good show." I think Ted Lasso was the um, was the big runaway hit that sort of put mm-hmm. Apple TV Plus on, on the map. map. Kind of, yeah, and it's starting season three probably this year or next year. But yeah, it won a bunch of uh, Emmys. I, that's when I started watching it after like it won an Emmy or two. And uh, I, I think that's just because I didn't think Jason Sudeikis would actually. <laughs> you know, Jason Sudeikis, his persona on SNL and in his prior work. It was how, how do I put it? He he's a bit curmudgeonly. He's <laughs> kind of an asshole. <laughs> but Ted Lasso is like the exact opposite of that. Also, the premise of Ted Lasso was based on a series of commercials that he did for NBC Sports or something like that. Mm. So it didn't have a great pedigree. It wasn't screaming out as something that you need to watch. But then you know it was actually, it's actually a very good show. Interesting. I I just from I, I guess like yeah, like his character in Were the Millers is how I imagine Jason Sudeikis as an actor at that point. I didn't watch too much of his content, but then when he did like Ted Lasso, it really did kind of change the perception of him. And also, um, I don't know, it's interesting, but. Ted Lasso is a solid TV show. Mythic Quest, I feel like, is another show that... Very I good show. Surprisingly good show. Written by Rob Nicolini. It, it has probably, like, two of some of the best episodes of television I, like, really enjoyed watching. Um, because he has, like, the overall, like, story arc of, like, the modern day, like, his, like, gaming company. And then he'll have one that's like a flashback of a character. Um, or just like the old, like the first one I remember watching it, it had that guy who was in, uh, what's his name? He, he's the guy who um, plays Nick in, uh, in um, I was going to say Gone Girl. No, um, what's that one with uh, Zoe Deschanel? With the roommates? Oh, um, I was uh, watching. I probably would have known what it was called, except now I'm just thinking Gone Girl. Like, who's that girl? It's New Girl. New Girl, yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> gone Girl is different. Gone Girl, Gone with the Wind. Um, yeah, so he's in it, and it's basically like a story of how they start out as the creators that led to the company, and then I think there's one where there's like a backstory on one of the 
big uh, characters that I thought was fantastic. It had the actor who played um, Big Head in Silicon Valley. Nick Kroll? Um, no, not Nick. Nick, no, Nick Kroll's the big mouth guy. Um, oh, even... <laughs> <laughs> all these shows sound the same. I know, but he—he he, he was actually really good. It, it's basically like the guy in the show is like this big time writer who writes like the storyline for like this MMORPG game in Mythic Quest, and it, it's a very interesting television show. Yeah, it's a good show. Um... They they're making a lot. They have a lot of movies and stuff as well. And and again, generally, it just because it's Apple and because they have a reputation that I think they are trying to maintain as like a producer of quality items and quality things. I I think I just generally associate them with higher quality shows. Like their shows look expensive. Um, yeah. There's another one we watch, which is Servant by M Night Shyamalan. I've seen that. It's like I don't know if it's a good show or not. I can't tell, okay. but I've been watching it for three seasons. <laughs> You're so waiting for that twist. <laughs> yeah, I think I won't know until the, like the final minutes of the last season if it was a good show or not. But it's interesting at least, and it has Rupert Grint in it. Oh, okay. Um, they also own the rights to all this Charlie Brown stuff, the Snoopy stuff. And they also have a show with uh, John Stewart on. Interesting. So I'd say that's another big player in the streaming wars. <laughs> Everyone's going to be a big player, and then we're just going to have cable. <laughs> okay, if someone was to offer you a package that had several different streaming services at a lower price, like if they were all combined, and you only had to pay like. I don't know, thirty dollars a month, and you got six streaming services. Would you take that deal? I mean, absolutely, because I already pay for all of them now, and it's a lot more than seventy dollars a month or thirty dollars so, a month. So that's so, cable. That's cable. It's I mean, come. that's why it essentially is. But I, just, I don't know. I guess if you remove the commercial aspect of it, I think that's why why I see like a huge difference. Like if you remove the commercials, which like adds a lot of time, if you still allow me to choose like whatever TV shows. Especially if you have what streaming services now, but you just allow me to pay one price for all of them. Absolutely. And it is basic cable, but it's a lot cheaper than also basic cable too. I remember basic cable used to be like back in the day, like $7,500 sometimes. This is one thing that I think would be huge in terms of streaming services. I've, I think Amazon has been talking about it. It's the integration of sports because the NBA has a league pass and I don't really fully grasp if league pass something like, like it records the games and you can like go back and watch it. All I know is it's kind of a pretty bad service. The games aren't always available. There's a lot of blackout dates. Um, but if you give me something like league pass, but if you give me something for the NFL and the NBA, you allow me to watch any game I want and it records that game for that day, and, you know, I can just speed through the commercials, then, like, yes, that will be absolutely, like, whoever gets a hold of that, like, that ability to do that is going to win the streaming service, my opinion. But the thing is, is, like, all these leagues rely on TV revenue from ads that yeah. the deal would have to be so absurdly massive. I don't know if it would be worth it. 
I think it's never going to be all on one streaming service because mm -hmm. it, like, like you said that um, they're used to getting multiple revenue sources from the different channels and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think right now they are all, already getting multiple revenue services. Like I know some games and stuff are on ESPN plus some are on other channels. Um, NBC or whatever has some premier league games, but not all of them. Some of those you would have to log into uh, Paramount Plus because it's live on CBS that day or something. So they're still making a lot of money from all these different people paying them for access. And I think it's going to be a while before you see one unified like NFL streaming service or something like that. Yeah. But I agree that would be great. That would be a great value. Only time will tell. Maybe, maybe there's another company that comes out that turns Netflix into the into blockbuster. Um, wait. So now, with the addition of Apple TV Plus, would that change which um, anything of your previous answers? Like, which streaming service would you keep if you could only keep one? Not really, because I just don't think Apple TV has enough content. Because if this is forever, like, I, there's so much of a huge backlog. With like Prime, like HBO, like movies, that like movies, television shows that I still haven't like watched that would provide me endless entertainment for like years. Whereas like I have like maybe five, four, three shows I watch with Apple TV. Do you remember? Um, I think I probably just know this from a Futurama joke, but there's a, a pastiche of. Uh the twilight zone in Futurama called the scary door. And there's a, uh, there's one little clip they have making fun of a twilight zone episode where in the original twilight zone episode, this guy, uh, his like wish was to be left alone to read all the books in like existence forever. Um, and, and he gets that, but it's like a, a deal with the devil type thing. And then his like glasses break and he can't read or something. And then in the Futurama yeah. one, his eyes fall out. Isn't isn't there? Isn't there also one in uh, Family Guy where it's like there <laughs> there is time now? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's Family Guy. It, it might. It, it's one of those ones. But mm -hmm. the I always found that interesting because even if you had a whole lifetime and no other obligations, if you were left alone in a library, I don't think you would get through every single book in that library. I just don't think it's possible because, you know, printing has been around since the 1600s. I used to think that there was a way to like keep up with all the shows and stuff that you wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think there's more content being produced than anyone can reasonably watch in one lifetime. I agree. I mean, it's just, it's kind of absurd. I mean, there's definitely a limit, though. I would say Netflix is, like, that perfect balance between old content and new content. Um, and I mean, it's, I guess, you know, Apple TV just doesn't have enough. But, I don't know, it's just, ah. All right, here's the, the wrap-up question that we ask at the end of every episode. If you had to combine... Any two streaming services? Well, you know what? Let me ask two questions. If you could get rid of one streaming service, except for Peacock, doesn't count because we all know that <laughs> it should already be gotten rid of. If you could get rid of one streaming service, but 
you would lose all that content. Like no one, that content would disappear forever and you've never seen it. What would that be? That's the first question. Oh man, that's really tough. I think, you know, it's cause you made the good point about Netflix basically being like releasing shows that kind of like, because one Netflix is one of the biggest streaming services and two, just like kind of, you know, exists within the realm of like modern day pop culture with like Squid Game and any release like that. You, it would be interesting not being able to experience such a like wide, wide, like a, like a honestly worldwide phenomenon like that. But part of me is leaning towards Netflix just because. And now, you know, it's funny now. It's like I'm thinking because that whole like. I'm going to say Netflix. I'm going to okay. say Netflix because even though there are those like massively popular TV shows they do release, every streaming service still does produce solid content new enough where I don't necessarily need to be involved in it. I, the funny thing is because I went with HBO Max as the one I would like go with, no doubt. But then it made me kind of like rethink like what new – they have released new content. But I'm trying to see like what new content I watch in terms of TV shows – Peacemaker. I don't exactly. It's just Peacemaker and South like Park. a couple of movies. But like, yeah, I mean, get South Park. But like, it. I don't know if I like. I need the new South Park they're making. It's just not hitting the same like type of like South Park. I, think, I don't. I think Euphoria is their most watched program since Game of Thrones. Really? I need yeah. to. I've heard that's. Uh, oh man, that's Zendaya. She's such a good actress. I still haven't watched it, but you know. She rocks the hell out of whatever she's in. How how have you heard that show described to you? Euphoria. <laughs> a lot of a lot of drama, a lot of drugs. Wait, so what what's your answer then? HBO Max, you would that's the one you would get rid of? No, it, it would still be it would still be Netflix. Okay, you get rid of Netflix. Uh, yeah. I think I would get rid of um God, I don't know. I like a little bit of everything that's on all of these things. And I already said Netflix is the one I'm keeping. I like HBO yeah. Max because it has a lot of stuff that I like. I don't have time to watch it, but one day I might. <laughs> I like Paramount Plus because it has Star Trek and I like that. I don't like Peacock, but we said that we can't get rid of Peacock because it's already essentially dead. It's just a zombie streaming service that no one uses that should be put out of its misery soon. I like Hulu. I guess I'll get rid of Apple TV Plus. Apple TV, okay. Yeah, it was the in my, it was the last one I remembered about as a streaming service during this episode. Maybe just yeah, it didn't ring. Maybe that's indicative of something. Um, okay, and then the last question is usually a mashup. So if you could combine any two streaming services into one streaming service, what would it be? I would... and what would the name of that service be? Um, oh gosh. Are we also taking into consideration that like, like this service will, doesn't have the IP properties of the other services. Like I can't say HBO and 
and Netflix, but they're like, oh, one day they'll maybe make like a Star Wars thing. Like we we can't. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's always going to be on Disney. Yeah. Based on their current IP mm-hmm. and their current business practices and stuff, what would you like to have merged, and what would the name of that merged service be? I'm gonna go with. Funny enough, because I kind of killed it off, but I would say Netflix and HBO because one. Netflix Netflix does still produce a lot of new content, but then my biggest issue with Netflix is that the content is very variable. Sometimes it's an Ozark, sometimes it's a um sometimes it's like a Orange is the New Black, sometimes it's a Stranger Things, but then sometimes it's just something I've never seen before, like like the ranch with like I think that was it, like the ranch with Ashton Kutcher, or is that, or is that Taylor Lautner? I've never seen it, never want to see it, but it, it's just very building content. But then I will combine it with HBO Max, who I still believe lives up. Like the idea of HBO Max is like they produce great quality television, and it solves the issue that Netflix has. And then Netflix also solves the issue, which I think HBO Max has, is that they're not releasing too much new content. Like, or they're not releasing new content as frequently as, like, Netflix does, in my opinion. I will, I, it, sadly, I, I would have to sacrifice, I guess, the, the Marvel. Well, you know, you don't have to sacrifice Disney. anything in this scenario. You're not having to get rid of one. You're just merging two uh, to create, like, a super streamer. I would call it Netmax. That's interesting. HBO Flix. Cinemax. <laughs> If I had to combine two, I would combine um, Disney Plus and Paramount Plus. Any other reason? The IP? Oh. Nothing to do with the IPs, just because of the names. I would just call the service Plus. Just simplify it. <laughs> just really simplify it. <laughs> Um, well, we've talked about every streaming service that ever existed or ever will exist as of right now. How we just, we just talked about the ones that really matter. Yeah. Um, at a future point, we may talk about music streaming. (laughs) Wait, is there that much to say about music streaming services? I don't, the problem is I'm just trying to, I don't have a good grasp right now of what exactly essentially i guess i would say if you were to say like internet streaming it would be pandora it would be apple music now title and spotify maybe there are another streaming service like apple i don't know maybe there's other ones i'm just not paying attention to them but those are like the big ones right yes youtube also i think youtube people use youtube to stream music a lot now, then I'm just going to have to say that Spotify kicks everyone's butts. <clears throat> Tidal had a good idea about trying to give like a little bit more power and compensation to the creator. But Jay-Z and Kanye basically, or I don't even know if Kanye is involved in Tidal. But... I, I, I don't know why, but I've always associated him with it a little bit also. I think he yeah. was, he might have been present like at the launch. Do you remember a title launch 
there was there were a lot of like really big artists on stage being like finally we'll make money and that yeah. that like rubbed a lot of people the wrong way i say was it because i think kanye released yeezus someone released a, their own album only on title but then i think they had a bring it to spotify because it was kanye yes because no one was listening to it on title he's now released donda 2 only on a streaming usb device or something like that what the yay player what was it donda 2 is the 11th studio album by american rapper kanye west exclusively released on the stem player and the stem player is um a little computing device with a headphone jack that he has released. Well, that's really taking music streaming in the opposite direction. You know, you start with, yeah. you, you start with Napster and LimeWire and Kaza, you turn it into Apple revolutionizing consumer music buying with iTunes and the iTunes store. And that evolves into streaming with Apple Music and Spotify and Tidal. Um, and then you sort of, oh, and Zune was an also ran with Microsoft. Yeah. And then you go in the opposite direction. And here we are with Spotify, Apple Music, and Kanye West's STEM player. Interesting. I... Uh, <laughs> Kanye does Kanye, but Pete's. No, I'm not gonna say. That. <laughs> um, how do you feel about Spotify? It's interesting. We're in an interesting position as a small indie podcast that is published on the service <laughs> Anchor, that very few people listen to, but Anchor is actually owned by Spotify. I love Spotify. The I hate Spotify. Ever. I hate Spotify with a passion. Oh, I was just actually I actually why? Well, a couple reasons. Number one is <laughs> I'm very controlling about my media. I like my media to be organized in a specific way. <clears throat> And I like it to stay consistent. That was actually one of our other co-hosts who's not here right now, Tom. That was, I think, you know, what we first became friends about is in college, we both very meticulously organized our iTunes music collection. Mm -hmm. I started using Spotify towards the end of college. I don't remember why. I think it's just, you know, the value proposition is better. You get a ton of music. But I got a deal too as students. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you never, it doesn't give you control over your catalog. There is no catalog, essentially. You're just at the whim of whatever Spotify happens to be streaming. And some songs get removed. And so even if you've added them to like your Spotify library, there really is no Spotify library because nothing is stored locally. They used to have options for having stuff that was stored locally be uploaded onto Spotify for you or something like that, like a local collection feature. But that only really works if you're using it on a computer, a desktop or a laptop. It, it's really a lot of work to try to get that stuff put onto your iPhone or your iPad. So that's the number one issue I had with it. 
then this Joe Rogan thing really pissed me off. Oh, well, yeah, that's okay. Like, I thought we were talking about it just as a streaming service, but yeah. no, It you're... is. Well, so yes, it is that as a streaming service and there are problems with it as a streaming service, but also as a streaming service and in its role as a streaming service, like all other streaming services, it is hungry for content and trying to get people to listen to stuff on its platform. It spent $200 million to acquire Joe Rogan's podcast. And this will actually, I'm actually curious, you know, what Tom thinks about this, because I think Tom is a fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. I think that it is irresponsible (laughs) and just unethical for someone with a platform that as many people listen to as Joe Rogan to promote pseudoscience and and horse treatment for a deadly illness joe rogan is an asshole and i will die on that hill you the fear factor guy (laughs) um as a result of the joe rogan controversy neil young and joni mitchell removed their music from spotify i saw that yeah which leads more into the fragmentation of the streaming music landscape, which is also, which goes back into my first point being that not everything you want to listen to is available on Spotify. So if you're listening to them on just Spotify, you're stuck with what Spotify offers. And now they don't offer Joni Mitchell or Neil Young. As a streaming service, I'll talk about that part first. I like Spotify and just the sense of it. I, I'm not someone who, one, like I, I like listening to music, but like as, as you very well know, I'm also someone who repeats the same music <laughs> over and over again, sometimes by the song, to the point where it'll always provide most likely the most mainstream artists because I don't have epically super niche music taste. It's really just what's mainly it's the weekend and post alone over and over again so i can guarantee i have access to that and it does provide for me someone who doesn't like do too much research into the new music it already like gives me suggestions and it really takes that like effort out of it which i really like um the one thing i'm yeah so that's really like why i i do enjoy it's always also instant access for most artists when they release their albums like to be able to listen to it all in one go and you have access to it pretty like early i don't need to go to a store i mean this is besides the fact but but that's any streaming service like that's going to be true on apple music also is i haven't used apple music enough to have any i just have fallen into a very comfortable system with spotify one given it's like student promotion and everything and Hulu to the point where, like, I... The funniest thing is, I'm not even someone who, like, listens to music unless I'm in the car. Like, I literally, when I'm, like, studying, listen to lo-fi. Like, that's literally all I listen to when I study. So, I used to listen to music while I studied until I found lo-fi. Now it's, like, I'll listen to an album or a podcast that's on Spotify that does kind of, you know... I don't know. It, it just, I guess it's, it's convenience for me and like being stubborn enough, not willing to change. Well, so lo-fi, I'm assuming you listen to lo-fi on YouTube. Exactly. 
So YouTube would probably be your most listened to streaming service then. I guess so. We didn't think about it that way. It's really more of a test of how much we have to study. Bullshit. Uh, side note about lo-fi. I was reading this article yesterday. Uh, lo-fi, obviously, like, people use it uh, when they're studying or chilling out. Um, Disney released a Minnie Mouse lo-fi album this week. What? To capitalize on the trend of lo-fi music. How so give that a whirl. It? Wait, like, because, like, the lo-fi is more of just, like, beats and, like, very, like, rhythmic music. Kind of like a mix of jazz and hip-hop. Sometimes it'll have, like, an artist that is, like, more... I don't know. I listen to, like, sometimes, like, hip-hop rap lo-fi. So they'll have, like, The weekend or, like, old-school Tupac. And then they'll, like, basically make it very chill. Is it, like, goofy? <laughs> no, so it is, um, it's called Lo-Fi Mini, colon, Focus, a collection by Minnie Mouse featuring some of Minnie's favorite Disney songs reimagined by top artists in the lo-fi space. Wait, is this out yet or not? I think it's out, yeah. They have You Got a Friend in Me, I Just Can't Wait to Be King, um, some oh, other stuff. Man. I'm actually, I'm gonna, like, listen to this today. This is gonna be just, like, a... Well, you know where you're not going to listen to it is on Spotify because you're going to listen to it on YouTube. And title. <laughs> and title. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it on the Kanye West player. <laughs> oh man, it's funny they even like copied the uh, yeah the like kind of image of like that girl who's always studying and has like a pretty sick backdrop. Um. Ultimately, I'm with Spotify because it's it, it's what I use in college, and I just don't I don't change that often. Um, although I the will, Joe Rogan issue is it, it is a big issue. Um, I will I will also say that I'm a huge hypocrite, and I am still using Spotify. And obviously, I'm still <gasps> publishing this podcast on Spotify. <laughs> I just don't like them. I just don't like Joe Rogan. I don't like Joe Rogan either. Who gave him this platform? Doesn't like, he look like the guy from Palm Stars? He, yeah, I get Joe Rogan and Dana White confused a lot. I will say, though, without Joe Rogan, the world wouldn't be exposed to the fact that Aaron Rodgers took ivermectin because he got COVID. That's true. And I also hate Aaron Rodgers. Just like, he's such an idiot. I also hate Kyrie Irving. I hate Aaron Rodgers. I hate Kyrie Irving. Really, I the last two years have made me hate a lot of people who are stupid, idiotic people. And they're stupid idiots. And that's is, the takeaway. No, that's staying in. <laughs> Anyways, this has been the episode about the streaming wars. <laughs> A lot of tangents today, but this is this was a fun episode. It's been on the agenda for a while. I'm glad we did it. Anyways, we hate Joe Rogan. Thanks for listening. Yeah, alrighty.